0: I'm very happy to have the opportunity to be with you today. I want to express my appreciation for all of you being connected and active within our service. We know that we're in different formats than normal. It takes extra effort to learn and we just really appreciate all those that's taken the the time and effort to send this service out and for you connecting at home and being a part. Thanks to everyone for your good attitude in your effort to make this possible. We continue forward in uncharted territory as a congregation. This marks our fourth week that we have not been here at the building together on the Lord's Day to worship.
1: I want you to know that the decision to
0: cancel the services was a unanimous decision made by the elders. It was made after considerable study, prayer, meditation, and discussion. We understand that other churches have made different decisions, and that's okay because we're autonomous, and we, as the elders, have the responsibility to lay the path forward for our congregation, and we will be held accountable for the decisions that we have made. As we communicated with the congregation early by email when we first decided to cancel our services for a temporary period, We used some verses without very much comment, but I want to review those as we begin our thoughts concerning God's word today. We want to look at Bible principles that regulate what we do as a congregation and specifically regulate what we're doing right now, having a streaming service rather than being together at the building. We want to look at the fact that Principle number one, we're to obey the laws of the land. We noted in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, and I would like for us to read that together this morning, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to do to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. We see here in the first three verses that it is very clear that we are to follow the rules and regulations that are put forth by our governments. In fact, verse 2 says, if we resist to obey God in this way, that we shall receive damnation. The only exception is when the government goes directly against the commandments of God. Rulers are not a terror to good works, but they are there for our benefit. Looking to verse, verse, verse four and five, for he is the minister of God to thee for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath, upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore he must needs be subject not only for wrath but also for conscience sake." So we should be of a conscience to follow the government regulations and in fact this is an extension of God. These regulations become God's ordained recommendations or rules. Our government has not told us to stop worshiping or to stop teaching or has not asked us to do anything evil toward our fellow man, our government has issued recommendations and regulations to protect our health and our well-being. And we need to understand that this is not a case of persecution where we've been told not to worship or to do things that would be against God's will. In Acts 5, the verse 29 at the end, there's a statement there that the apostles made, we ought to obey God rather than men. And I've heard people in this time frame on this subject quote that as if God and men were saying something different at this time. I want you to know if you'll glance at the context here that these men were under direct threat because they were teaching Christ. It wasn't for a health reason, it wasn't for any other reason, but they were being persecuted because they were teaching and promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's noteworthy that at this very moment, this morning, we're teaching Christ and we're not under under any threat. We see then that we need to be careful about the context of the scriptures that we use and we need to look to these important principles and we need to balance the decisions that we make. Second principle I'd like to discuss with you is that emergencies can require adjustments. You know, keeping the Sabbath under the old law was a very important part of the old law. In fact, it was so serious that we read in Numbers 15 that a man was decreed by God to be stoned to death because he was picking up sticks on the Sabbath. And yet, as we turn to Matthew chapter 12 and read the text there, we find that Christ was flexible about his critics that talked about them gathering grain on the Sabbath. Christ's disciples took grain from the field, and Christ responded to the Pharisees that questioned him. And in doing so, he established the principle that emergencies arise that require mercy rather than sacrifice. He uses David and those that were with him eating the showbread as an example of what he was teaching. This was something that was unlawful under the law of Moses. Only the priests were to partake of the holy bread. And yet, David was in an emergency situation and those that were with him, and so they took of that bread. Again, in another setting in Luke 14, verse 5, the Pharisees were... Questioning Christ because He healed on the Sabbath day, and we know what how Christ responded here in Luke 14 verse 5, and answered them saying, "Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit, and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day?" We've all heard the idea of the ox in the ditch, and the fact that at at some point emergencies which are danger to life or property that we are to make exception. In fact, God understands and He expects His children to take measures to address the problem. Let me ask you today, which is more precious to God, the life of an animal or the life of a human? The environment that we're dealing with today certainly has potential for loss of life. There's some 20,000 that's lost their life in the United States. There's some half a million that have been affected by this virus. We have two deaths in Hale County and over 10 cases of the virus presently. So we would certainly look at our situation as a crisis or an emergency. And I believe the principles of scripture teach that we're to use good judgment. And that's exactly what the elders have sought to do and our motivation is to take a balance of all of the principles of Scripture and to make good judgment regarding our path forward as a congregation. We did make a shift from families to small and small groups to streaming a couple of weeks ago and that was partially in response to a stay-at-home order by our officials. One of the main considerations in moving to this format is because it gives every member of the congregation an opportunity to participate in the service. That includes those that are at high risk of being infected. If they got this, it would cause them a very serious illness or maybe even death. This also includes those who are unable to conduct a service in their home. That would include our widows that for the most part are at home alone. Everyone has opportunity to join in to this service. We understand that some would make a different decision, especially as individuals or as families. But as noted earlier, as elders, we need to consider every member of the congregation. And we need to make the very best decision, even though no option is a good option, we want to select the best option that we have. You know, in our country, we value our religious freedom, our independence, our constitutional rights, and we should do that. But if we get tunnel vision about those particular issues and we fail to look at all the principles that were given in God's word, then maybe we won't have the proper perspective when it comes to the decisions that need to be made as an individual, as families, as a church. Another consideration is if we were to be meeting at the building and develop an active case of this virus, this would require the whole church and maybe even others that they had come into contact with to be self-quarantined. And this disease might rapidly spread among a group that was together. This would put us back in our houses with a more restrictive circumstance than ever. This is not a hypothetical scenario. This is happening all over our nation and it's happening in communities not very far from Plainview. What would our standing be in our community if we ignored the health officials and others, health system and our government officials and allowed something like this to happen? We work very hard to have an outreach in our community and to have a reputation that we care about people. And we want to forward the characteristics of Jesus Christ who said that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. If we were to have a case that spread out into the community, this would diminish our ability to reach out to others and to have the influence that we want to have. Remember Christ's words, mercy rather than sacrifice. And it has been mentioned that no one believes that any of these options that we have looked at are an ideal format, but we're seeking to honor God in the most appropriate way, and we have no intention of letting the exception become the rule. We've also noted that one of the negatives to what we're doing is that it's harder to focus in the setting at home, it's less structured, and we want you to be aware of that and make appropriate uh, adjustments so that we can focus and all be involved in our worship together. We know that it's very important that our heart is in our worship, that our mind's in our worship, and that we are truly lifting up the God of heaven as we worship together. We want to move now to some other thoughts and discuss a reading in Psalms chapter 95 verses one through seven. If you have a Bible I'd like to ask for you to open your Bible to this chapter because we're not going to be able to put all of the text on the screen. We will have the text up but it's going to be verse by verse but we want to look at this passage this morning to guide us through some thoughts that I believe are very important at this time. I would ask you to reflect back on last week. We studied the, the promises of God. Hugh did a, a wonderful job of reminding us of many of these promises, both spiritual and physical. And as we reflect on those things, it should put us in a certain mindset. If you weren't able to listen to that lesson, think about it for a moment. What God has done for you in the past, what he's doing for you right now, and what his promises, his faithful promises, will yield us in the future as his children. We can easily consider the greatest blessing of all, and that is God's redemptive plan, and the fact that he sent his son from heaven to come to this earth to live and then to die for our sin, to be buried for three days and then to be resurrected, defeating death and defeating Satan. Victory over death that allows us to have an eternal perspective, that allows us to have a connection with God and to have that hope of eternal life. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. As we're thinking about those promises that God has given and all of the blessings that those have yielded to us, then I want to ask this question What should our natural response be to the blessings of god is there something within us spiritually as his children that would prompt us to respond to him in a certain way even in a time of stress even in a time of anxiety such as we are faced with this morning I believe that the sentiments of the proper response to God's blessings is found pinned at the writer, a person of God's own heart that shared these words with us in Psalms chapter 95. So we will begin there and we want to look at verse number one. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation you know we can wrap all of our spiritual blessings up into one term that summarizes it all and david did that for us in this text when he said our salvation and he said i want to bring a joyful sound to the lord because he is the bedrock of our salvation do we understand that his perspective caused him to instinctively act in a certain way toward God, to bring praise to God. David was exuberant. He repeats this phrase of a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. We'll note it again as we read verse two together. He did that for emphasis, and he was expressing his enthusiasm and his passion toward God for the salvation that God had provided to him. I believe that this is an example to us, and I believe we should be inspired to bring a joyful praise to our God. As we sang together these songs this morning, not together in an assembly, uh, physically together, but listening to these songs and thinking about the words of them, we need to bring that joyful noise to the Lord. We have a song in our book, it's number 966. I want to share the words of this song because I believe it also expresses the same thing that David does for us in this song. How can I keep from singing is the title of the song. It says, there's an endless song echoes in my soul. I hear the music ring. And though the storms may come, I am holding on and to the rock, I clean. We see the same imagery in the words of this song expressed by David about the rock of his salvation. The fact that even though storms would come, the writer of the thought of the psalm says we will cling to God, the one that we can trust, the one that's given us these promises, that has furnished all of the provisions that we need in our lives. The second verse follows by saying, I will lift my eyes in the darkest night, for I know my Savior lives, and I will walk with you knowing you'll see me through and see the songs you give. We worship the rock, the God, our Creator. We worship our Savior, the one that died for us. We walk close with our Savior, and He will see us through. These are words that are inspirational to me as I think about the meaning behind them. Here is the chorus. How can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? How can I keep from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the King and it makes my heart want to sing. I am loved by the King and it makes my heart want to sing. Are you loved by the king with the blessings that you've received at his hand, certainly we would say so. It would take an un- endless amount of words to describe in depth what God has done for us, so we certainly should take this spirit of enthusiastic praise of God into our lives. In 140, Psalms 146 verse two, David had a comment in a different setting. He said, while I live, will I praise the Lord? I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Basically, David is saying, as long as I have breath in my body, I'm going to praise God. We praise God in our singing. We praise God in our prayers. We praise God in various ways as we share our faith with others. All of these things are important and we should have these very active in our life in response to the things that God has done for us. I remind you of Paul and Silas who had been beaten and given many stripes. They were thrust into the inner prison. Their feet were put into the stocks but at midnight they had a certain Mindset, And we read that in Acts chapter 16 and verse number 25. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard. Was this a time that we would typically describe as a joyous time in a person's life? Of course not. They were under stress. They were under persecution. They had been told not to teach Christ. They had continued to teach Christ, and they were thrown in prison for doing that. And yet their heart, their discipleship, and their dedication to God caused them to want to sing praises to the Lord. Was this of an effect on anyone else? We certainly see the case here that the other prisoners heard them singing praise to God. This was a bright light in a very dark place, and I believe as Christians today, if we take seriously our response to God in the way that we praise praise God, that we will have an influence on others, an influence that will matter. Peter and John in Acts 40 were called under question again for teaching, and basically they said we can't hold in the word of God. It's inside of us, we have to let it out. Peter and John said in Acts 4.20, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Paul made this statement in 1 Corinthians 9:16: Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Is that our feeling about the spiritual blessings that we've received from the rock of our salvation? That we overflow with praise to God? that we lift him up in song, that we make a joyful noise, that we extol his benefits to us, to all of those that are around us. That should be our perspective. That should be the zeal and the intensity that we bring to God in a proper response as his children. Let's read verse 2 and 3 of Psalms chapter 95. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In addition to the enthusiasm expressed in verse one about singing praise to God, here David interjects the idea of being thankful. To praise God with thanksgiving. Do we bring that heart to our God? He is unparalleled. He's eternal without beginning, without end. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere at the same time. He's all-knowing, and yet he's mindful of us as his children. This is the attitude that should bring a thankful heart in our response in every way that, that God has asked us to build our relationship with him. In Philippians 4, 6-7, to a verse that we looked at last week, or verses, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I want to look at this in a specific way and Hugh mentioned last week that many of God's promises are conditional. They're conditional on us making the right decision and doing the right thing. And I believe that we have a promise here in verse 7 that is a conditional promise. It's a blessing that every one of us wants. We want that peace that passes understanding. If we look to verse 6, we will see the conditions that will bring about this peace. It says we should be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known unto God. These are the conditions to having a peaceful life. We have to deliberately choose to not be overly anxious, not to be overly careful. We must deliberately choose to pray to God through supplication. The word supplication means an humble, earnest request. We have to bring that to God with thanksgiving. And when we do that, that prepares our mind and puts our mind in the proper place so that we can be blessed with the peace of God that passes understanding. We need to look at these principles and we need, especially in times of stress and trouble, to follow the lead that David gave us in these uh, scriptures where he was bringing praise to God. Let's look at verse 4 to 6. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also, the sea is his and he made it, and his hands form the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Here worship is interjected into the discussion. We understood the implication of praising God and that being a part of our worship, but here David states it very clearly that we should worship and bow down to our Lord of heaven. And here in verses 4 and 5 are the physical blessings that God has given us through all of his promises. Look around us in the creation. Look at the beauty and the magnificence of nature. God created the hills He created the deep of the The ocean, he created the land, he created the sea. And all of this was created in a way that it continues on, in a stable way for us to exist in this life. If we don't praise God, the stones will cry out in praise of God and of our Savior. We find this text in Luke chapter 19, Christ was entering Jerusalem. His followers were rejoicing and praising Christ as the king. And the Pharisees asked Christ to call down his disciples. But Christ responded in this way. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. The creation around us honors God. It follows his spoken will. It it was put into place in creation and it continues on. And even if the children of God will not praise Him, nature praises Him and we can see that as we look around the beauty and the magnificence of our surroundings. Think about our body, the human body and the intricacies of our body. Science believes that it understands a lot of things about the human body, but in the case of this virus, it's called a novel virus because it's a new virus. It's, it's got the, the world of science perplexed. Caught it unprepared. God is not unprepared. God is aware of all things. He is, according to Habakkuk chapter three, he's the God of the plague. He understands, he created all that is around us. He is in control of all that is around us. And we need to acknowledge that and again, our sentiment and response to him should follow these attitudes that we find presented by David. In our worship, we come to John 4, 23 to 24, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him In spirit and in truth. We know that worship has two different definitions. One is anything that we do in general in our life that honors God. That's a type of worship. But we're also called to worship corporately or collectively as the body of Christ. And we understand from this critical teaching of Christ that true worship involves worshiping from spirit but also from truth. We've talked a lot about our spirit, our attitude, our emotions that we bring to God when we worship him. And that should be an emotion that frames what we do for him every day, as well as the emotion that frames what we do when we come
1: collectively
0: to worship him. And then we have to worship according to the truth of God's word. John seventeen seventeen. sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So, we can be in the right sentiment or in the right emotions in our response to God, in our collective worship to Him. But if we don't follow the, the Word of God in the elements of our worship, then our worship will be vain. What if we follow the elements, but we don't have the Spirit? Then again, our worship will be in vain. There's many that enhance the worship that we find described in God's Word. In fact, today, Easter. Many people are doing special things on this Sunday. We find in God's Word that every Sunday of the year, for 52 Sundays, we're to replicate what we do in our collective worship of Him. God has communicated to us what He wants us to do. And as we study His Word, we see that there's singing, there's prayer, there's teaching, there's the Lord's Supper, and there's the contribution. We find in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 15. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Here, Paul, in the setting of the assembly, talks about prayer and singing. and Notice he uses those same principles of doing it in Spirit and in doing it in understanding the truth of how we're to worship God Acts 20 and verse 7 says and they came together upon the first day of the week to partake of the, the bread the Lord's Supper and Paul preached to them this is an example of the other elements two more of them where they came together for to break bread and Paul taught them we also have in First Corinthians chapter 16 verse 1 that we're upon the first day of the week to lay by and store There's many more verses. There's many more things we could say about that. But I submit to you today that this is the truth about how God wants us to worship Him. We do not need to change it. We do not need to designate one week of the year to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a basic tenet of our faith that we acknowledge that's involved in our mode of salvation when we're buried in the water to arise to walk in newness of life. It is something that we acknowledge when we partake of the Lord's Supper every week. We acknowledge and remember him until he comes again because we recognize he's alive today and he's coming back. So certainly we want to understand the resurrection and we want to honor God regarding all things that we've been given. That's a great blessing that all of us has been given as his children. And yet we want to worship God in the right spirit and we want to worship him according to truth. Let's move back to our text once again and let's look at verse number seven of Psalms chapter 95. Here it says, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Here's where it gets really personal. For every one of us, every one is an individual. God is our God. We are his people. We are the sheep of his hand. God knows each and every one of us. He knows us inside, and he knows us out. He created us. Although he's the great creator of this universe with billions of people passing through time, yet he knows you and I individually. He knows what we need. He blesses us with what we need. And we acknowledge that as we reflect on all of the blessings that we have been given. In Psalms 23, the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Look at all of these personal pronouns that David used when he referred to God and being in God's care, being the one cared for By the shepherd, being given these pastures, these waters, having the restoration of his soul, being led. This is something personal for each one of us. This is something that we need to respond to God on because it's a personal relationship with him. Verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want us to feel very personally the touch of God and of his Savior, and of the blessings that he gives, and I want us to understand that personally it is our duty as a child of God, to respond to God with these attitudes of praise, with these attitudes of adoration, of thanksgiving, of praising God for everything that he has given to us. You know, God knows each one of us and he blesses each one of us, sometime conditionally, based on how we respond to him. But I want you to know this morning that there's someone else that knows us individually. Satan wants to be our God, and he has the power to know your heart, to know what your weak spots are, to know how to push your buttons, and he can personally cause us to turn away from God unless we're strong, unless we're focused, unless we truly empty ourselves out to God in our praise of him and in our dedication to him. Listen, people, we have to beef up our relationship with God. He will take our isolation. He will take our idle time, and he will create a shock for himself in our life. That may be happening in your life today. Maybe you're anxious about what's happening. Maybe you're uh, mainly at home, isolated. Maybe you're hearing all of the bad news about what's going on, And maybe you've began to disconnect from God and from His promises and from from His blessings. We have to fight back. We have to study God's Word, listen to Him through His written Word. We have to pray to Him earnestly and work at our personal relationship with our Savior and with our God. Here's an idea. Instead of binging on TV or Netflix or something like that. What about binging on God's Word? You know, in a 30-day period, we could easily read through the New Testament. My little Bible has 240 pages in the New Testament. I divide that by 30. That's eight pages a day that we could read of God's Word. And we would benefit in an eternal way from going to God's Word and reading it and studying it what if while we were reading through the New Testament in that 30-day period, we selected a specific theme that was of interest to us, how to build our faith, Christian duties, the promises of God. We could as we went through and read the New Testament, we could make a list of every verse that addresses whatever theme that we selected that would be of interest to us. We could mark those in our Bible or we could put them in a journal and then we could go back and review those. That would be something very beneficial for us to spend our time at. Not allowing Satan to introduce his ideas and his thoughts and his negativity into our life, which should be built on praise, adoration, and a joy that cannot be quenched. This is what we need to do to stay close to God. This doesn't just apply during a pandemic, but this applies in our life in general. Prayer and study, a challenge to read the New Testament, pick out a theme and mark those verses that pertains to that subject. In Ephesians 6, 11 and 12, the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Where is the true battle that we're engaging in as citizens of the kingdom of heaven today? Is that in a physical sense? God is in control and no matter what happens in our environment, When we obey God and when we look at his promises, we win either way. If something happens to us and we lose our life, we have eternity, a home in heaven to expect. So currently our most important battle is not the one on this earth, not the one with this pandemic that is pressing around us, but our most important spiritual, or our most important battle is a spiritual battle against the rulers of darkness against these sinful things that satan would tempt us to bring into our lives how do we avoid how do we win the battle we have to put on the whole armor of god like any good soldier we need to be prepared we need to have our armor we need to have our offensive weapon the the word of god and the only way we're going to have that is to have the emotion, the passion, the sentiment that we've talked about this morning in our life. Unless it's coming from inside of us because we truly love God and we truly appreciate God, then we're not going to have what it takes to win this spiritual battle. Beware, be warned, be fighting. Develop the right attitude in your life, the right mindset so that you will be prepared For this battle. This morning we're going to conclude with the verse found in Hebrews chapter 13 verses 15 and 16. By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate forget not, for with such sacrifice God is well pleased. I believe this is a good summary of what we've talked about this morning. The joy that we need to bring, the praise that we need to bring, the sacrifice of that praise to God continually. Yes, it's important that we do it as we worship in a corporate sense, but it's very, very important that we do this continually in our everyday life because this will determine the way our mind works, how we approach things, This will determine how other people are influenced by us, either to a positive for God or to a negative that brings about the influence of Satan rather than God. Let us do good. Let us communicate. Let us do all of these things that will bring sacrifice to God and will be well-pleasing in his sight. We're going to... Move to the end of our slide presentation. We have a slide that lists the elders of the church of the congregation. We want to make the plea for you to call or to contact any of the elders. We're not in a position to offer an invitation to ask people to come forward, but you can come forward by calling. If you have a need in your life, if you've been faced with sin, you need encouragement, anything that you might need, even in a physical sense. If there's things that you need, we would encourage you to call a number and to let your needs be made known so that we can respond and help you in this time of crisis. And with that, we will close the speaking for today. We will move now to a song, and following that song, we'll have the Lord's Supper. Thank you.